You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, presenting interviews with famous, fascinating, influential personalities from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. The audiences were changing. They were more youth-oriented audiences then. They were ready for Tab Hunter. Well, not only for Tab Hunter, for Natalie Wood, Jimmy Dean, Tony Curtis. 1950s heartthrob Tab Hunter. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Ladies and gentlemen, Tab Hunter. Six feet of rugged manhood to stir the heart of every woman. Oh my goodness, I'm flabbergasted! Tab Hunter! How do you shave, Tab? With a Gillette Super Speed, of course. Tab Hunter! You tell me where I could find Tab Hunter? Well, you do pretty good! Gee, thanks. What do you like about Tab Hunter? Well, <laughs> quite a few things. He was one of the hottest young movie stars of the 1950s. Tab Hunter, who grew up as Art Galeen, was actually a figure skater when he was a teenager. As a young man, a friend of his introduced him to a Hollywood agent who specialized in beefcake actors like Robert Wagner and Rock Hudson, and it was that agent who dubbed him Tab Hunter. And by 1950, Tab Hunter was in the movies. And by the mid-1950s, Hunter was a major star, the strapping blonde hunk of a guy that every girl wanted to be with. He even recorded a number one hit song. By the end of the 1950s, Hunter was a witness to, as well as a participant in, the end of the Hollywood studio contract era. And after that, his movie and television roles were a little fewer and further between. His last movie role was in 1992. Now, in 2005, Hunter wrote a memoir called Tab Hunter Confidential, in which he acknowledged publicly for the first time that he was gay. All those gossip magazine stories back in the 50s linking him with this actress or that starlet, they were all fiction. So here now, my 2005 interview with Tab Hunter. My friend Alan said, uh, I understand that someone is going to be doing a book on you, and I, I think you should write a book. And I'm a very private person, so I said, well, who'd want to read a book on me? And he said, you'd be surprised. So I thought, okay. Get it from the horse's mouth, not from some horse's ass after I'm dead and gone. And that's exactly why I wrote the book. That is exactly why, because I've seen too many instances where books have been written and people mm-hmm. have done put their own slant on stories and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, come on, let's be fair. Well, I'm got- not going to pull any wool over anybody's eyes. I'm going to tell it just the way it was. And you've got the straight scoop on, on half a dozen different things around here that, in this book that people could have written a book and twisted it all out well, of Absolutely. Abs- you're absolutely right about that. And I, you know, I'm not going to play any games about this thing. It's my life. I've had a lot of highs. I've had a lot of lows. And uh, I just thank God every day I'm still here. You even talked. You referred at one point to a book of, I guess, by Sophia Loren a number of years ago. Where yes, she I do. Blamed you for the failure of this movie. But can you imagine? Because let's face it, they have, they got me on loan out from Warner Brothers. <laughs> they brought me on over there. I met with Carlo and Sophia. Met, of course, I'd worked for Sidney Lumet before in mm-hmm. television in Hans Brinker and the Silver Skates, and then for them both to uh, just kind of kind of take shots at me because the picture wasn't successful. Uh, I believe in life we've got to be fair. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't feel that was fair, so I printed their excerpts from their books (laughs) in my book and then 
added my little comment. <laughs> Do you think they would have given you the credit if it had gone on to win Best Picture and all this? <laughs> I'm not concerned about credit as a human being. I'm only concerned about doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And I do feel it's one of the better uh, performances in film that I've had. Yeah, I was surprised. That, that is you, one of them. Yeah, I, I, did you say that, that was your favorite film? No, it's, it's one of my favorite. I think my favorite film is a Western that sur- totally slipped away through the cracks. A Western called Gunman's Walk oh. with Van Heflin. For Columbia, for Harry Cohn at Columbia. You know, Harry Cohn was quite the man. Why don't you take your brother over to the nice little table and introduce him to your nice little lady friends? I got a better idea. You take the nice little table. Come on, baby, let's get it. Hey, why are you running off so early? Oh, little brother's tired. I got to tuck him in. Well, hurry back, hon, and... Bring Lee next time. We'll really open up. I was um, I was thrilled to do that. That was a darn good role, and I loved it. But it slid all the way, and it's hard. It's a hard one to find, but it's a good one. Yeah, well, they're bringing a lot of back on DVD these days, so it's you think you find a print. You know, I'm from the dark ages. <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, that's that's the thing, and, and and I think maybe that's why people are are you know jumping on the bandwagon for this book is because you really do straddle two eras. I mean, the the, the studio era and the post studio era. You're absolutely right because I was at the end of the studio contract era. Now the studios aren't like that anymore. They're major corporations, mm-hmm. you know. And but you know, then you had your own conductor of your symphony. You had Jack Warner, Harry Cohn at Columbia. Nobody was going to tell any of those people how to run their uh, studios. And they were wonderful. They were wonderful. And you sure as hell wanted to stay on the the good side. Mm -hmm. They were your boss and you did what they asked you to do. But that was also the downside, wasn't it? Well, I think so. But because I think part of it was due to the fact that they had to get rid of a lot of theaters they owned around the country. Television was coming in really Mm -hmm. strong. And the audiences were changing. They were more young, youth-oriented audiences then, as opposed to the adult films. I think the, the, the young audience was really coming to fore then. They were ready for Tab Hunter. Well, not only for Tab Hunter, for <laughs> Natalie Wood, Jimmy Dean, Tony Curtis. I mean, just go on and on and on. You know, Anne Margaret, you can just go on. Would they have been as equally ready for Art Galeen? Well, uh, I, you know... Uh, I knew I didn't know who Art Galeen was because I was such a frightened kid, and I sure as heck didn't know who Jav Hunter was when they slapped that name on me. But all I wanted to do was learn my craft as a kid. Once I was thrown into the business, I thought, where do you serve your apprenticeship? If you are a product of Hollywood, as I was, I wasn't fortunate enough like Jimmy or Kim Stanley or Monty Clift or any of those people who have had a Geraldine Page who had the opportunity of studying and working in, in New York. I was just, duh, this young kid thrown into it all. And where do you serve your apprenticeship? Luckily, I was able to work with some very fine directors and with some very fine uh, actors. And you've done a marvelous job, I must say, in this book of telling us about all those without sounding like you're dropping names. Well, I'm not dropping names. These are people I've worked with. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Eddie Eddie Muller, when I, I had two other writers prior to Eddie, but when uh, I found Eddie and met with him, read some of his other stuff, I thought... What I love about Eddie is there's no BS here. He shoots right from the hip, and uh, that's exactly the kind of book I want. I had 500 pages in my computer. We cut it all on down. We found the place. It was like a picture puzzle putting it all together. It was difficult, but also it was also a, an incredible journey to take. Well, as Dizzy Dean once said, it ain't bragging if you've really done it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the truth? You know, yeah. <laughs> 
what if if you put bookends on it around say approximately 1950 60 61 what an incredible decade you had it was amazing and of course the other thing is not only motion pictures but it was the days of live television mm-hmm. playhouse 90s oh, climax it's... out of new york they had uh, you know studio 1 they had all those great shows you know, Philco, all the, the incredible live television shows. Look at the directors that came out of there. Mm-hmm. John Frankenheimer, you know, Arthur Penn, Sidney Lumet. Mm-hmm. People that I've all worked with uh, and for and uh, absolutely loved. And you had a hit record. Well, that was another part of my life. <laughs> yeah, Natalie, wouldn't oh, you, I? You, you've got everything. Yeah, Natalie and I were on tour in Chicago, and uh, Howard Miller was a big disc jockey then, and he said, did you ever think of recording? And I said, well, I love to sing. I used to sing in the choir in church, and mm-hmm. I'm great in the shower, <laughs> as we all are. <laughs> so he said, I want to introduce you to Randy Wood. Randy heard me sing. He found a song. We cut it. Three days later, I heard it, heard it in the car radio and almost had a rack. Oh, a rack, you know. <laughs> I almost hit a palm tree. Young love, Young love. first love. It went on to be number one song in the nation for 12 weeks, and it knocked Elvis out of the number one slot. And it was really amazing. I thought, whoa. (laughs) Then we cut a record, an album. And then that's when Jack Warner said, enough of this. You're under contract to me for everything. So Jack Warner thought about it real long and hard and started Warner Brothers Records. (laughs) Which we don't have to tell you where where that company is today. (laughs) (laughs) After this short break, Tab Hunter describes... How he reconciled his religious faith with his sexual orientation. Now back to my 2005 interview with Tab Hunter. Now there came a time when you decided that this, that the, the studio system was just not for you. You're going to buy back your contract. Exactly. You know, he would loan me out. Jack Warner would loan me out occasionally to different places mm-hmm. to do live television or to do a film here and there. But, but they you were a commodity. There was, yes, exactly. And there was nothing. He had nothing at the studio. They weren't, you know, they, they weren't developing enough stuff. They, Natalie Wood and I only did two films, and that was because the first one was only because she was so hot off of Rebel Without a Cause with Jimmy Dean, and I was so hot from Battle Cry and Track of the mm-hmm. Cat. So they thought, whoa, they're winning these awards and popular. Let's throw them together like a Myrna Loy and William Powell. <laughs> you know, so, but I wanted to keep working, so I bought my contract out. That's for a hundred thousand dollars, that say, was a lot of money. I was going to say back in it was sixty one or so, sixty sixty one, something like that. that was, and, that's a good size chunk of change. And don't think I didn't work hard to pay that back. Well, but not only, and I'm guessing from the tone of your book, it wasn't just the money; it was the symbolism of what I mean. You were you were shaking off this whole system. Well, also you're shaking off the security of a whole <laughs> system too, which is pretty interesting too, particularly if you're if you're leading two lives. One is a frightened, frightened uh, person. But the great thing about acting is you could delve into the character and so you, that you could take on a whole persona, which was mm-hmm. marvelous. I mean, very exciting. And the people you worked with were incredible. You know, Gary Cooper, Fred Astaire, Van Heflin, you know, Geraldine Page, Sophia Loren. I mean, incredible people that were really, you know, you learn. Mm-hmm. And you've got great stories about all of those people in this book. It's just every page there's something else I learned. Oh, I'm glad you I'm glad you enjoyed it. I've been overwhelmed by the response. Have you really? Yeah, when Peter Bogdanovich said the other night at the at the party for all the writers in the press in New York, he said, Tab Gorvey Dahl called me. He just loved your book. I thought, Whoa <laughs> And then the publishers weekly giving it a really good review. It just mm-hmm. has been 
I'm really grateful and I'm really pleased because I've worked darn hard on putting this together properly with Eddie. And we are glad to give you the opportunity to say once and for all, you did not beat your dog. No, I love my dogs. People were terrible. That was awful. You know, if I'd have been under contract, if I'd have been under contract to Warner Brothers, that story would never have been out there. Uh That would never have been out there. Uh There were some jealous neighbors. Yeah, he doesn't talk to us. He's snobby. (laughs) You know, one of those ridiculous Uh instances in life that we all run into, kind of neighbor problems. It's hard to love your neighbor when something Uh like that, uh, you know, springs to the fore. Well, that'll teach you to live in a neighborhood with real people. No, 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 no. You know, do what you have to do. We have three important growths in life. Mental, physical, and number one, spiritual. And boy, no matter where you live or how you are or what you are, you better concern yourself with those developments. Now, let me ask you about that because we, this is the, the one thing we have not talked about yet in your book. In your book, you acknowledge you are a Roman Catholic. You attend yes. Mass more than once a week. Well, yeah. so no, I definitely am once a week, sometimes more than okay. yeah. but, but you also say, acknowledge in the book that this is a religion that sees homosexuals, gay men and women, as sinners, as, as you, you, are, you, are, you are an abomination. I mean, how do you reconcile this? It's a very interesting thing because, uh, and people, you know, I always say, let the person without sin cast the first stone. I mean, come on, I don't have to respond to other people about that. I try to be the best human being I possibly can be. I have to deal with my maker. My maker deals with me. And as long as I am fully aware that that's the goal for me, that's what's important in my life. Now, what other people pick and choose, that's fine. God gave them free will. They gave them choice, you know, and with with this beautiful gift of free will, they gave them the ability to choose. Hopefully, we will all make the right decisions for our lives. Do you ever wish that you had been born at a different time? If you were a young actor today, a 19-year-old, you wouldn't have to pretend you were straight so that you could get roles? I don't ever, I never pretended because I was so fearful and so frightened as a kid, and I, you know, denial was my middle name. <laughs> I mean, I learned that from my mother, a very strict very religious, very strong German woman who we clashed a great deal, but also I loved her tremendously. She passed away a few years ago. She was an amazing human being. But today, you could, you could be – they'd find a will and grace type vehicle for you. <laughs> who knows what they would do. You'd, you'd, you'd be a major star no matter what your orientation no, was. No, I don't, I don't think about that. You know, you have to do what is right for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've turned down things that I thought to my – I turned down – I mean, I've turned down films that I thought, you idiot, why did you do that? <laughs> I mean, I was doing – they came to Cordura with Gary Cooper and Rita Hayworth and Van Afflin and Bob Rawson was directing. And he said, Tab, I've got this great film I'm working on next about this guy who plays pool. <laughs> it was called The Hustler. And, of course, Paul got that. And I thought, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I've done a lot of stupid things like that. I turned down Sweet Bird of Youth to replace Paul Newman only because I was uh, it was a very fearful part of my life. And I was scared mm-hmm. as a person. But, you know, you can't fall back on your fears. Mm-hmm. You've got to accept the challenges in life. And they're, they're, what are gonna, they're what you, the things that are going to make mm-hmm. you grow. Oh, you! I also mentioned you. You do have a chapter in here that I think is probably worth the price of the entire book: the Tallulah Bankhead chapter. Oh, <laughs> well. First of all, I've got to say Tony Perkins was the one who suggested me to. Uh, Which to you found Tony, out years later. Uh, yes, I didn't find out until years later. Mm-hmm. Tony was the one who suggested me to Tony Richardson, the director of mm-hmm. the play. Uh, 
I was thrilled about that. I was thrilled to be doing a Tennessee Williams play because I, I think Tennessee Williams is a great, mm-hmm. great American playwright. I was excited about Tallulah, but I knew that she had already become a caricature of herself. Mm-hmm. Now, when she started out, she had this God-given gift that was mm-hmm. brilliant. But then she started becoming this caricature, and I don't think it's fair to you or to anyone to, to dissipate a God-given gift. And she had a God-given gift. She was a wonderful actress. Actually, Catherine, Catherine Hepburn was, uh, was, a, was also thought of for this role, but she was taking care of Tracy at the time, and uh, I would love to have done that with her. Oh, that <clears> wow. Oh, man. But the glue that held the whole piece together in the acting department was Marion Saldus. Oh, yes. Marion's brilliant. I saw her last night in New York. Mm. She's a fantastic actress and a fantastic human being. She's probably our first lady of the American theater today. What great memories you must have. I've been very fortunate, and I say thank God every day, because that's what it's all about. Tab Hunter died in 2018, just three days before his 87th birthday. And you can find easy Amazon links to Tab Hunter's book at our website, heardeverything.com. And while you're there, check out my 1998 interview with Mia Farrell. I was on my first movie set, you know, before I even can remember my father was a director, John Farrow. My mother was Maureen O'Sullivan, who played Jane in the Tarzan movies. So I spent a lot of my childhood on set. And my 1994 interview with Adam West. Our show was a, a lampoon, uh, a satire of a sort, full of ironies uh, for the adults, and excitement, splash, adventure, action for the kids. And of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything. You know, we've been talking today about movies of the 1950s, movie stars of the 50s. Well, there was another hit movie in 1957 called The Three Faces of Eve. It was a fact-based story of a woman who had been diagnosed with multiple personalities. So next time on Now I've Heard Everything, my 1989 interview with the real woman whose story was told in that movie, Chris Costner Sizemore. There are no gaps anymore, and I know who I am, and I I like the person I am, and I feel comfortable being one person. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. ¶¶